What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Dirty Blondes. This week, I'm continuing on with the fetish series. So if you're a new listener or you're not caught up yet on the rest of the series, here's a quick little recap of what I've covered in the previous episodes. In episode 29, I discussed the differences between a kink and a fetish. Episode 31 is the BDSM 101 intro episode. Episode 32, I talked about various roles, identities, and role-playing within the BDSM world. And episodes 38 and 39, I did a deeper dive into domination and submission and bondage. So in today's episode, I'm going to do a deeper dive into sadism and masochism. Whether you call it sadism and masochism, sadomasochism, or simply just SNM, this branch of BDSM is probably the most misunderstood group. Sadomasochism can also be the most violent and dangerous of all BDSM activities. In 1905, famous neurologist Sigmund Freud deemed sadomasochism a psychiatric disease. He had a theory that children who had experienced repeated spankings or whippings will tend to be or would tend to want to be involved in sadomasochistic acts. Now, from personal experience, I can confirm that this theory is true. (laughs) Um, My mom definitely used to use a wooden spoon on me and my brother when we were kids. So can't confirm for my brother, but I can definitely confirm for myself that this is true. So what exactly is sadism and masochism? Sadomasochism is a sexual practice that uses pain, domination, and humiliation for the pursuit of pleasure. Sadism is when a person inflicts suffering onto someone in the pursuit of pleasure, and masochism is when someone receives suffering for pleasure. So the sadist enjoys giving pain while the masochist enjoys receiving pain. Sadists and masochists get sexual pleasure from either physical or emotional pain. Typically, sadists are tops or doms, and masochists are bottoms or subs. If you're a sadist, you might enjoy dishing out pain, degradation, humiliation, or anything to cause suffering of your consenting masochist. And as a masochist, you might enjoy feeling physical pain or being humiliated or simply suffering for your dom. And while most SNM acts end in sex, not all sadomasochist play does. So even though it's a turn on for the players, sex isn't always a requirement in this type of dom sub relationship. Now, for outsiders looking in, sadomasochism can be really hard to take. Tears, bruises, and marks are very common within this world. But many masochists see the bruises or marks as trophies and badges of honor of having both enjoyed and endured something difficult. Now, like I've said before in previous episodes, there is always an overlap within the BDSM world. So while I wouldn't personally classify myself as a masochist per se, there are definitely some aspects of masochism that I dabble in and I do enjoy. So for example, I have always loved bruises and marks. I bruise really easily. I'm like a fucking apple. I always have bruises on me from just like running into shit because I'm clumsy. So it typically doesn't take a whole lot for me to bruise or show marks anyways. But for whatever reason, I do enjoy seeing them on my body after like sexual encounters with partners that I have. And while I don't love the idea of emotional pain or extreme pain to the point of tears, there are a lot of aspects of masochism that I'm into. 
Like I said before, there are different levels to everything within BDSM. So you can be at a beginner level or an expert level, or you can like aspects that are very extreme in some cases, or you might fall more into the middle ground or even more closer to like the vanilla side of things. I would say that I personally fall into the middle ground of enjoying pain. It's not something I necessarily need all the time, but I do like rougher sex with spanking and slapping and biting and all that fun stuff. And I like physical pain incorporated into sex because whether it's a visible mark or bruise or I just have sore areas of my body, I like experiencing the longer term effects of it the next day because every time I look into the mirror or move a certain way, I see or feel the aftermath from the night before. So it's a constant reminder throughout the day and during the healing process And it always leaves me wanting more. So that's personally part of the reason why I like to incorporate it because it's just kind of like a friendly reminder of really great sex usually. So not to say that that's the same for everyone, but that's just my hot take on it. Okay, so let's get into the different kinds of S&M play. As I mentioned before, sadomasochism can involve physical or emotional pain. Physical pain is the most common in SNM play. So that includes a lot of different things. So I'm going to go through them. One being either nipple or clit clamps. So there's a few different kinds that you can get. There's vibrating ones. There's weighted ones. There's electro ones. So like electro sex ones and labia clamps. Cock and ball torture it's also known as CBT, is a really big one within S&M. So there's a ton that falls under this category. So there's genital impact play, which is spanking, flogging, hitting, any type of impact to the penis and ball area. Hot wax play, urethral play, which is also known as sounding. That's typically what it's called. Eastim play. So Eastim is electrostimulation or electrosex. So that's the use of toys that have like an electric shock going through them. Extreme Restraints is a website that I go on all the time for just different sex toys and things. I'm personally not into electrosex, but they do have a ton of options if that's something that you're interested in. Um, some of the different options include there's electric bands that go around the penis. There's electric buck plugs. There's penis hoods and cages, electro sounding rods, nipple clamps, and they even have tens pads. So they can either go over the nipples or around the outside of the vagina. Genital bondage is another aspect of cock and ball torture. So that is typically either used with rope or bondage tape. Not that you can't use regular tape. Bondage tape is way less painful. So there is specific tape if you are interested in using bondage tape for any aspect of bondage. Pinching or clamping is another one. Piercings. So if you're into piercings and that whole aspect, that can be considered cock and ball torture. Penis cages are another one. So a penis cage is a toy that encloses the penis in order to make an erection either uncomfortable or impossible. And if the man does become sexually aroused, it's to prevent sexual intercourse, masturbation, or any other type of sexual activity and stimulation. So a dominatrix may use this as a way to inflict some type of physical pain and then may incorporate emotional pain by asking their sub to beg for sex or to humiliate them. Ball stretching is another aspect. So ball stretching is done with a sex toy that is used to elongate the balls and 
provide a feeling of weight that pulls the testicles away from the body. So this can be enjoyable for the wearer if the weights aren't like super, super heavy because it can make an orgasm more intense because it prevents the testicles from moving up like towards the body during an orgasm. Ball busting is when someone either kicks or knees you in the balls. So that's a kink or a fetish for some people. And ball crushing. So this is done by using a device. It, they're typically either made out of metal or acrylic. And it squeezes the testicles slowly. So it's like you you turn a screw or a nut on it and it it slowly squeezes them. So it's like a long-term thing. Okay, so that's everything with cock and ball torture. The next one I'm going to cover is wax play. So wax play is a form of temperature play where wax from a candle is dripped onto a person's naked body in order to introduce a slight burning sensation to the skin. So different types of candles produce different temperatures of wax. They can range from warm and soothing to dangerously hot wax where you can get physically burned and have marks and scars and all that kind of stuff. Soy and paraffin candles are typically the safest for wax play because their melting point is much lower than other types of candles. You can find special candles specifically for wax play on sex toy shops or Amazon. That's where I got mine. This is something I've personally really wanted to try. I haven't found the right person to try it with yet, but just know that there are special candles out there. And this definitely is more of an advanced form of BDSM. So definitely do your research before you kind of like jump into this. Knife play is another form of physical pain that can be incorporated into sadomasochism. So knife play is a form of edge play that involves either knives, daggers, or swords as a source of stimulation. So knives are typically used to either cut away clothing, scratch the surface of the skin, possibly remove wax after wax play, or simply provide some sort of sensual stimulation. So like if someone is restrained and laying there, you can take like a knife or a dagger or something and like run the cold blade up their leg or whatever. It doesn't mean you have to cut them, but knife play can lead to blood play. So blood play is when you're into using blood. So whether you do physically cut someone or are using blood in different aspects, knife play and blood play can go hand in hand, but you don't need to participate in blood play to play in knife play. Now, in the last fetish episode, I discussed bondage and bondage kind of goes hand in hand with discipline because it's restraining someone and it can be used to discipline a person. But bondage within S&M is different because it's meant to cause pain. So an example of that would be breast bondage. Breast bondage is when the breasts are bound tightly, causing blood to pool. So if you've ever seen images of various rope bondage, a lot of times you'll see the women's breasts like bright red. And that's because the blood is like all in their boobs. So when the rope or whatever's binding them is released, the returning of circulation can be really, really painful because that all that blood is rushing back to where it's supposed to be in the body. So it can be very painful. And that's why too, it's very important to know your limits and to educate yourself on some of these things if you're not going for the pain route, because if you're not expecting it, it can be very painful and you can hurt someone. Forced orgasms are another aspect of S&M. So a forced orgasm is when a person is consensually forced 
to involuntarily orgasm. And they're typically restrained to deprive them of the ability to control the onset and intensity of the orgasm. So this is often used with women because women can have multiple orgasms back to back quicker typically than men. So some women will try to close their legs or stop an orgasm if it becomes too intense. So being restrained makes you more helpless and gives you no control. And last but not least, there's obviously spanking and slapping. So spankings can be an element of punishment and discipline for bad behavior, but within S&M, spankings and slapping don't serve the same purpose. So again, it's consensual, but the goal is different than just disciplining someone for bad behavior. The goal is to hurt the person and leave welts and marks and all that kind of stuff. Now, on the other side of things, humiliation and degradation are forms of emotional S&M play. So traditionally, emotional masochists are people who feel unworthy of respect. They tend to find themselves in situations that are either toxic and or abusive because they feel that they deserve it. And there are some that crave the abuse that they receive, whether or not it's a conscious or unconscious desire. Some emotional masochists find humiliation to be a liberating experience, but it needs to be clear that outside the BDSM scene, most emotional masochists will refuse to allow anyone to treat them that way because in the outside world, humiliation is done maliciously, while in the S&M world, it's done with care and understanding. So with emotional pain, there are two broad groups. Like I said, it's humiliation and degradation. So humiliation is something that causes embarrassment, like going outside naked, whereas degradation is when you try to lower or dehumanize someone, making them act like either a piece of furniture or an animal. So with humiliation, the sub keeps their humanness, and with degradation, they don't. And because what one person finds humiliating or degrading, another may not. So literally anything can be classified as humiliation play. With verbal humiliation, this includes calling a partner different names. So a sadist may use a derogatory name or hurtful language towards their masochist, such as fat or stupid or disgusting or ugly or whatever. It's usually about their appearance or something like that. A sub can be made to say things that they wouldn't normally say. A sadist may mock their sub or scold their sub in a way that's humiliating. Various insults or belittling language are also included in that. And then begging can be considered verbal humiliation as well. Now with degradation, some things include like being a human toilet. So an example would be a golden shower. So where the sadist may pee all over the person or pee in their mouth or whatever the case is. A sadist may make their sub lick or clean something dirty with their mouth. So like licking their shoes or licking a dirty toilet or licking their dirty feet or something like that. And then being treated like an animal or a piece of furniture. So human furniture is basically when a sadist will make the sub either like maybe kneel on all all fours and act like a table. Or if they're being treated like an animal, they'll have them crawl around with a leash and a collar and make them eat out of an animal bowl and truly just not have any conversation. Like they may make them actually like bark like a dog or not allow them to speak. So there's different levels of all of that, but that all falls into degradation. 
Also, with emotional masochism, there is usually a big emphasis on aftercare to ensure that the trust is reformed between the sadist and the masochist. Since emotions are not visible or tangible, it can be difficult to know where limits and thresholds lie and when abuse would be permanently damaging to the sub. So it carries a high risk of damaging the established trust between the partners. So if you don't know what aftercare is, aftercare is simply the time you and your partner take after BDSM play to recover and to also see to each other's emotional and physical needs. So certain role plays and acts can be both physically and psychologically taxing. So this time is great for relaxing as well as getting back to reality. It helps the players feel grounded again and or reestablishes the normal loving roles you would normally assume. And I say loving roles because typically with S&M, you're in a more stable relationship or a long-term relationship. This isn't just something that you like typically fuck around with with someone that you just met for a one night stand or something like that. So there typically is a level of love and care and respect for your partner. So it is really important to check in and make sure that you're all good on like the relationship front. Now, aftercare is different for everyone. Some subs might need very little while others might need a lot. So it's not for the dom to judge what's right or wrong. The goal is for them to take care of their sub. So some examples of aftercare are maybe cleaning or disinfecting or applying medicine medicine and dressing any injuries that potentially could have happened or applying lotions or aloe and whatever to make your body feel better, offering painkillers or vitamins or supplements to deal with any pain, wrapping the sub in a blanket or a bathrobe to help with their temperature drop in their body, give them water or offer them chocolate or juice or anything if you're concerned about blood sugar levels depending on how long the scene was. With S&M, it's a long-term thing. It's not typically a quick short-term act or scene. So you could be at this for hours. So it is important to check in on them, on their physical health afterwards. Hugging, cuddling, and caressing is very common within aftercare. Offering reassurance that everything's okay or that they have nothing to be ashamed of if they ha- if they were maybe embarrassed about their kink or something that happened. Offering praise to them. Sometimes people just need like that extra assurance that that they did a good job. Depending on how extreme the scene was that you played out, a discussion a day or two after an intense scene to talk about things and make sure everything's okay can be effective. A warm bubble bath, journaling, watching a movie that the sub likes, or just leaving the sub alone to reflect and meditate. So those are all examples of aftercare. Like I said, it's different for everyone. So with aftercare, this kind of falls into the whole DDLG lifestyle as well, which is the daddy dom little girl part of a dom sub relationship. So aftercare in that world looks completely different typically than aftercare in the SNM world. So it just depends on what your partner needs from you. So next, I'm going to recap some of what I said in prior episodes about consent and safety. So what separates a sadist from an abuser who belongs in jail is one word. It's consent. Like all elements of BDSM, full communication and disclosure are a requirement for safe S&M play. So this is why discussing your hard and soft limits and any expectations you have in the beginning are very important. Because sadomasochism is usually much more extreme than other areas of BDSM, this is mainly where a contract would come in 
should you want to take it to a more extreme and expert level. Responsible sadists in the BDSM lifestyle understand the importance of consent and do not engage in any activity without it. And masochists have a responsibility to bring forth their concerns and medical history so they are not unintentionally harmed by the physical or emotional pain that's being inflicted. So someone with past abuse who finds themselves triggered in certain situations will need to disclose that so their dom doesn't engage in anything that could trigger an episode. And since sadomasochism has the potential for both physical and emotional injury and should not be entered into lightly, a safe word is really important to establish before you start engaging in any activity. So establish a safe word and a safe signal in case you're like gagged or that's part of the scene that you're acting out. And if you're new to the S&M lifestyle, no activity should begin without some prior knowledge or training. So, for example, if you've never used a flogger, hitting your partner's ass or back is not the, fl- the first place that you should try it out. So there's a lot of things that you can do to kind of prepare for this. So you can either meet with local people in the lifestyle at either BDSM clubs or I've talked about this in the BDSM 101 episode about local events called munches. If you're interested in meeting people at a munch, they're just typically at a local bar or restaurant, and you can talk with people in the lifestyle. So you can gain a lot of knowledge from local people in the scene. You can watch videos online. You can practice on a pillow before you try something. So there are a lot of ways to educate yourself. So please, especially if you're wanting to engage in SNM specifically, do not jump right in. Start off slow. Make sure you have a clear understanding of what you're getting into before you severely hurt someone. All right, guys, that concludes this episode. As always, go follow me on Instagram. It's Dirty Blondes Pod. There is a link in my Instagram bio that has links for if you want to be a guest or submit any questions or you need advice on something or you want to tell me a topic to discuss. It's all anonymous on there. Minus if you want to be a guest, it's obviously not anonymous. But go ahead and fill those out if you would like. There's also a link in my bio for a company called Promescent. They are giving all of my listeners 15% off with the code DIRTY15. Go check out their products. They have a bunch of different tools and toys to help you have a great sex life. Again, the code is DIRTY15 if you want to try any of their products. Also, if you listen to me on Apple Podcast, please give me a five-star review if you have two seconds. I would really appreciate it. And don't forget to like and subscribe and follow me on everything. I have a TikTok now that I'm going to be making more video on. I'm going to try to do more behind-the-scenes stuff because a couple of you guys have asked for that. All right, guys. I hope you have a great weekend, and I will talk to you soon. All right. Love you. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,